Crystal's going to be bringing the word this morning. I'm so excited to hear from her. Um, actually, I do have one other announcement, though. We, you may have already seen it, but we have a photo booth set up in the hall. Um, moms, if you want to take a picture with your kiddos, with your spouse, um, someone will be out there. I think maybe my daughter, Emily, will be out there manning that. We've got a little Polaroid camera, so we can like send you home with a picture. And then obviously, like they can grab your phone for a second, too, and do that. So that's available out there. And then um, I'll talk about it more next Sunday. But, but coming into May, we're preparing for our June through September volunteer schedule. And so be watching the e-bulletin for that. Listen, many hands make light work. That's the deal. And so we believe in pouring into the lives of our kids. So we need folks who will commit to being in there and, and loving them. Like there's opportunities to serve once a month or even just a couple times a quarter. Um, that makes a huge difference. There's people that come early and stay a little late to get all of this ready. Um, so there's lots of different ways that you can serve, but we just appreciate you guys. So many of y'all have already been doing that uh, so faithfully so for so long and we are grateful, um, but you can watch for that. So, all right, you ready, Crystal? Can y'all make Crystal feel welcome as she comes up this morning? Crystal's my pal. She's like my sister from another mom. Mm -hmm. um, we're just longtime buddies and just so grateful that she's coming and sharing her heart this morning. Um, I, I didn't ask her on purpose because it was Mother's Day. I just kind of said, yeah. hey, is there a date in May that would work? And then this one worked really well. I just thought, how cool that on Mother's Day, we're going to hear from one of our moms. Mm -hmm. um, and so she's opening up a whole new section that we're talking about now in our discipleship journey on hearing God's voice. And I just want to say, um, Crystal is qualified to bring this because she hears from God. I know that and have experienced the blessing of that in my life personally. Mm -hmm. So thank you for the relationship with him that you've cultivated. And mm -hmm. thanks for coming and sharing this morning. Can I, can I pray over yes, you please. and us really quick? <laughs> yes, All right. please. Well, Lord, thank you so much for Crystal. Um, God, for her relationship with you. God, for the time that she spent preparing this word. Holy Spirit, would you come and fill her with your presence, give her the words to speak and to share um, just from you and from her heart. Mm -hmm. And God, we pray for ourselves, Lord, that, that we would have not just ears to receive this, but God, would we be able to apply this to our lives? We, we say the words a lot that you want a relationship with us, but God, would you help us cultivate the ability to really walk with you, to recognize your presence and to hear your voice. That's not just for like the pastor or some prophet. God, every single one of your kids, you desire for us to be able to hear your voice. And so be with us. May we hear this and receive it and apply it to our lives today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 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 Love you, friend. Love you. Ah, good morning. Yeah. All right. Hearing God's voice. This is a huge topic. A huge topic. It's one of those things that, man, when Jake asked me a couple months ago if I'd want to share in May, um, and he told me we were going to be entering into the next portion of our ADJ book on hearing God's voice, I got really excited because this is one of my favorite topics. Because it's one of those things that it seems really intimidating and mystical and just supernatural. And it is, I mean, it is wild. But it's also the most natural thing in the world because it's what we were created for. We were created by a communal God, the Trinity, the three in one who have perfect communion in themselves. We were created by that God for community. He created us because he wanted fellowship with us. He wanted to communicate with us. And so it's, it's what we were made for. The Westminster Shorter Catechism asks, what is the chief end of man? Does anybody know what the answer to that is? What is the chief end of man? It says that it is for us to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. And Jesus speaks of this when he's in the garden and he's pouring his heart out to his father before he goes to be crucified. We can read in John 17, verse 21, the goal is for all of them to become one heart and mind just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, so they might be one heart and mind with us. Then the world might believe that you, in fact, sent me. The same glory you gave me, I gave them, so they'll be as unified and together as we are, I in them and you in me, 
Then they'll be mature in this oneness and give the godless world evidence that you've sent me and loved them in the same way that you have loved me. That prayer, man, is praying for us. That's what we were created for. So I'm going to pray one more time. Jesus, that's what we long for. Long for communion with you. God, we want to be one with you. Thank you. Holy Spirit, come in and guide us. Open our eyes, open our ears, open our hearts to receive this truth from you. God, help me. Help me as I speak your words, that I would speak your heart, Jesus, that you long to commune with us. In your name we pray, amen. So as I was preparing this week for this morning, I'm just like, God, this is a huge topic. It's so vast. It's so broad. We could fill multiple libraries with all the volumes on it because it's so multifaceted. But I'm like, God, what is it that you want me to share? And I felt the Lord saying that before we can talk about anything else, the ways that he talks and the things that he might share and all those things, we have to hear that he wants to speak to each of us individually. He wants to speak to you and you're not the exception. Like it's not that God's voice is for everybody else or for pastors or people who are in, you know, church leadership or no, he wants to speak to every single one of us. It's what he longs for. It's his heart for us. And I want to read a really familiar passage of scripture This is in John 10 when Jesus talks about, I am the gate for the sheep and I'm the good shepherd. But there's something in this very familiar passage that I've read over and over and over again that jumped off the page to me this week while I was preparing that I'd never paid attention to before. So I'm going to read just three verses from this. John 10, 2, the one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens it for him and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Verse 27, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. It says he calls them out by name. I had never paid attention to that before. Like the, I just am picturing like, come on sheep, let's go. But he calls them each by name. It's very personal. Now I don't have sheep but I've got chickens. Y'all know I got chickens. I love my chickens. The funny thing is, is, I mean, they're chickens. I have a few different breeds, but primarily they all look the same. Like, especially within the breeds, like they all look really, really, really similar. But I know each and every one of them by name. I can tell who, who is who. My kids will come into the part of the yard that we keep them. They're like, who is this? Who is this? And I know each one of them. I know that Dee Dee's got like a little stripe down her nose. I know that Cleo is just a little bit heftier than the rest. She's my big mama Cleo. That's what I call her, big mama. I know that Elsa, because yeah, I've got a seven-year-old who clearly named our chicken after a Frozen character. It's only appropriate. She is, she's my little red chicken. She's a little redhead. I know that She likes it when I scratch her on her wings and she gets all low. It's so cute. I I know these chickens and I love them. And I know them each by name. And I pay attention to their little nuances and the things that sets them apart. And this is such a silly example. But listen, I did not create these chickens. But God created each and every one of us. And I'm going to read something that is super familiar I've read it over us before. Alex has read it. Jake's read it. We all know this. I'm going to read just a handful of verses from Psalm 139. And I want to get personal with this, guys. If you're comfortable, I just ask that you close your eyes and just let me read this over you and receive this in as truth over yourself. This isn't just true for David, who wrote this psalm. This is for all of us, okay? Psalm 139, verse 1. Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit down and when I stand up, 
You understand my thoughts from far away. You observe my travels and my rest. You are aware of all of my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know all about it, God. For it was you who created my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. My bones were not hidden from you when I was made in secret, when I was formed in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw me when I was formless. All my days written in your book and planned before a single one of them began. God, how precious your thoughts are toward me. How vast their sum is. We have to start here because we can't enjoy a communal relationship with anyone, let alone God, if we don't believe that we are desired by the other party. But God made us. He knows all our little nuances. Like, he knows my son, the way that he smiles, and it kind of, it like dips down on one side. And it's one of my favorite things. Like, I love seeing Jonah smile. It's a little crooked in the sweetest, most beautiful way. God made it that way. There's things about each of us that he's created within us that just, it brings him joy. And he wants to be able to communicate with us. I mean, listen, parents, moms, we know, like, I hope I never have a strained relationship with any of my kids. I mean, that's, can you imagine how difficult that is? You carry someone in your womb for nine months and you take care of them and you, you clothe them and you love them. And then to not have relationship with them, it's heartbreaking. Well, God feels that way about us. It's like, gosh, I created you for good works, for my glory. I want to I show you that. I want to download those things into you. I want to show you my heart for you, my love for you. Yeah. You're desired by the Heavenly Father. This is personal. He formed your person. He wants to know you personally. He wants you to know him because he knows everything about us. He's the God, though, that is so vast and so mighty and so beautiful. He wants to invite us in to commune. He knows every hair on our head. He knows every thought in our head and every word that's on our tongue before we even speak it. And it's because he's the good shepherd. He draws in close. He pays attention to his sheep. And he wants us to learn his voice, to learn how he speaks to us and over us. He knows your name. He wants to communicate with you. I want to read out of 1 Samuel. This is about Samuel, who wrote 1 and 2 Samuel. These are two of my favorite books of the Old Testament. This is where we meet David, and he's anointed by Samuel. I love him. Samuel is such, a, such an interesting person in the Bible. His mama, Hannah, was one of two wives. She was barren. The other wife had lots of children, and she loved to lord that over Hannah. She loved to poke her and prod her about that. Look how blessed I am. And Hannah's heart just longed for a child. And she cries out to the Lord and says, God, but if you would just give me a son, I'll give him back to you for your service. That's what happened. God honors her cry and gives her Samuel. And after She's done nursing, and he's been weaned. She brings him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh, um, where Eli is serving as the prophet. And Eli's getting really, really old, and he has two sons that were supposed to be in this priesthood, but they're wicked men. And so what does the Lord do? But he takes Samuel. And so Samuel's resting at the house of the Lord. And we're going to pick up in 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 4. Then the Lord called Samuel, and he answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me? I didn't call, Eli replied. Go back and lie down. 
So he went and lay down. Once again, the Lord called, Samuel. Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me? I didn't call my son, he replied, go and lie back down. Now Samuel did not know the Lord because the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. Once again, for the third time, the Lord called Samuel and he got up and went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. And then Eli understood it was the Lord that was calling the boy. He called, or he told Samuel, go lie back down. If he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and laid down in his place. And the Lord came and stood there and called as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel responded, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Samuel was set apart and called by God. And so are we. Bailey, he's calling out to us. He's calling your name, Amy. Y'all, I'm going to be a mess this morning. (laughs) He calls our names. It's wild. We're called, we're set apart. Him who formed us in our mother's wombs. He set us apart too, set aside for good works. The God who is familiar with all of our ways wants to know us personally, wants us to know him. But we have to posture ourselves in a way like Samuel did to say, speak, Lord, I'm listening. I'm listening. We have to reciprocate back if we want to know him and hear his voice. And in order to do that, we have to make space. We have to make space. So I'm going to read another really familiar story. Please lean in with me. Luke 10, 38. This is one of my favorites. Now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus's feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving and she approached him and said, Lord, Do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you're worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is not needed. Other versions say one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good part, which will not be taken away from her. She chose the good portion. She made space to sit at the feet of Jesus. And I love this story, and I long to be like Mary, but so often I'm Martha, running around and busy, and I'm telling you what, busyness and distraction is one of the biggest things that rips us off from hearing the voice of God. Even having a heart that longs to be able to hear from him, God, I know that you've called me. I know that you call my name, but I can find so many reasons to be distracted. There's so much going on in this world and so many things going on in my own household and I can get ripped off. Good busyness can rip us off. I mean, I feel like us as people in the church need to hear that. Sometimes we can allow things of like, well, I've got life group tonight and I've got, I've got this and I've got to serve on Sunday morning. And I've got this, this, and this, and I just don't have time. Or even like as a mom, it can be the thing of like, yeah, but we've got like eight different things I got to go take kids to today and I got to do this and this and God just, Jesus comes in. I love this. I love that it says that he comes to a certain village and a certain woman named Martha opens her home to him. Like he did come for everybody that was there, but he came for Martha. It's like I, when, when he says Mary or Martha, Martha, like you're consumed and worried about many things. Like I don't hear that as a chastisement in this like tisk tisk, Martha, you're too worried about it. Don't you know I'm here? Like it's not that at all. Like I can just see him grabbing her hands and just looking into her eyes and being like, Martha, come sit at my feet. Like, it's, it's a kind and gentle spirit that he says this. Like Crystal, slow down hey, you do have a lot going on today. You have a lot going on this week. Come sit at my feet. Let me give you some rest and some perspective to help you walk through. It is a heart posture, yes, 
I want to carry that, that heart of sitting at Jesus' feet and communing with him on the go. But in order to be able to do that, I've, I've got to make space to do that. Set aside time. I mean, it's just like marriage or any other relationship. Like if I want to know Alex intimately, it's not by just the quickly ships passing in the night. Hey, how you doing? Move along, send a few text messages. Like it's not that at all. Like, you have intimate set aside time that you sit and you commune with one another and you learn each other's heart and the way that you interact with one another. I mean, there's, there's ways that I know that the Lord speaks to me in, in ways that like he knows that I'll get tickled about my chickens or being in the garden. He knows those things. He, he actually wired those things into me. Like she loves those chickens he knows it. Like that's, he made, he made me this way and he talks to me through those things. And so there's a rapport that you get with the Lord and, and it's fun to sit down. It's sitting down with your best friend who knows everything about you and loves you. Like despite all my flaws, he loves me and he has things he wants to share with me. Zach, am I killing you with my earrings clicking against this? Look, I'm going to do this. I'm going to take out an earring just, just for you, my friend. And for the rest of you, because that's probably really annoying. Spiritual disciplines are super important, guys. Not out of religious duty at all, but really out of worship and devotion to help us train our ears. It's really important. So, like, for me, in the morning, I, it's got to be my morning time. I have to have set-aside time. And listen, like, I know everyone's different, and for some people, that's at night feel like if I'm doing it at night, I'm just repenting the whole time for all the ways that I screwed up all during the day. <laughs> I'm like, God, I need a fighting chance for the day ahead of me. Your new morning mercies, let me receive them. <laughs> so I, I've got to do it in the morning. Listen, that can be a real sacrifice for me because I'm not a morning person. My husband is. He gets up real chipper at 5 a.m. I mean, listen, he goes and he does his thing and like I come out and he's like, man, I read like five different books today. I'm like, good for you. <laughs> I don't know. You, you go through them pretty quick. <laughs> no, but for me, I mean, it's, it, it's a sacrifice getting up, but it's good. It's so good. And I, for me, I have to pull out a journal. I'm a talker and journaling actually helps me slow down and hear so I sit and I journal out my prayers with the Lord and it causes me to stop and be able to hear him speaking something back into my spirit and kind of guide, he guides my time in the morning. And listen, sometimes it is repentance too. I mean, another thing that can really rip us off from being able to hear is when, when we're actively in disobedience. I had to repent not too long ago because I'm sitting there in my morning time and I just had to confess like, God, I'm not hearing you as clearly as I usually do. What's going on? And he so quickly spoke into my heart like, you've had a complaining heart lately. Like, oh. And he brought back verses to me, one that talks about like, bitter water and sweet water shouldn't be coming from the same spring. And he brought me back to Ephesians where it talks about my, my words should give grace to the hearer. It's like, even if I'm just complaining out into the air, like, it's not full of grace. It's not full of thankfulness. And I sat there and I repented. Oh God, I'm sorry. And it's, God doesn't do this thing that we as humans can do where it's like, you've upset me and I give you the cold shoulder. He doesn't do the silent treatment thing that we can do to one another. It's not that. But when I'm walking in disobedience, like, it's like a, I've erected a wall and I can't really hear him. He's talking, but I'm not in a posture and position to be able to hear from him. But the beautiful thing is, is as soon as I repented, it's like it was gone. And I could hear him and I just felt his presence all around me and I could move past it. Another thing that's important is I have to put my phone away. I have made it a discipline that I do not pick up my phone in the morning because as soon as I do, if I look at my email, 
I am so distracted. Even if I put it back away and I could sit there for 45 minutes and I'm not, I'm not really hearing or paying attention. My brain is already onto other things. And so I, I have to make space. Sometimes I even have to, I, Alex goes and he goes off into another part of the house and that's great. Like my space, I love sitting on my bed and I spread out my journal and my books and my Bible. And like, it feels cozy, not in this lazy way, but in this, like my friend is just cuddled up next to me and we're just spending time together. So that's how it is for me. But it's important that each of us make space and slow down in order to be able to hear because it's a still small voice. He does speak in very like, like, wow, this is undeniable ways. And he gives dreams and he gives visions and he gives words of prophecy. And man, I've experienced all of those things and I love them, but he is so much more than that. Those big, giant, like life-changing, you know, things like, he actually is the friend who sticks closer than a brother, who is right there with me every moment of every day and just desires for me to be aware of that presence and to enter into it. The Lord actually, a handful of years ago, four years ago actually, I'm realizing, I was preparing for a Sunday morning. It was early. Alex was in another part of the house and I'm just sitting there and I'm journaling. And the funny thing was, is I had never had a vision before. And this picture started coming into my mind and I'm thinking I'm being distracted. I'm like trying to get out of my, get out of my brain. I'm like trying to journal. And I felt the Holy Spirit like, just go with me. I'm like, okay. Oh, okay. And the cool thing was, is that the vision was, is that he had, I'm entering in through these giant double doors into this private dining space. And the room is dark, except for candlelight. And Jesus didn't have any shadows on himself. He himself was just radiant. And he's holding a lamb and he's sitting at a table. And the table is just packed with food. And he's inviting me, come, sit down, come and feast. And I'm in the vision, I'm like paying attention to what's like on the table. I mean, it's so much, but like I'm seeing the bread and the cup and I'm seeing grapes on the vine and, and what's standing out to me is he's just looking at me, his eyes just so bright with the biggest smile on his face and he's showing me, this is my hospitality. Sit and be filled, feast on my goodness, be satisfied, taste and see that I'm good. And he shows me this picture of abiding. And little did I know, Alex is in another part of the house receiving a song from the Lord about abiding. Jake is teaching on abiding that morning, had no idea. And our worship pastor back in Franklin texted Alex that morning. I had no idea any of this is happening. And he's texting Alex this morning, that morning and saying, hey, remember to invite the congregation to sit at the table abide in his presence, and feast on his goodness. I'm like, what? <laughs> he speaks like that in these crazy ways, but like, I share this because it was in a time when I had set aside space to just be with him, and I could have just missed it. But it was confirming to my heart of like, the Lord speaks and I hear him, and he speaks to you. And really, what I love about this too is this is what he's showing Martha. Like, hey, she's running around, running herself ragged, thinking that she's here to spread a table for Jesus when he's like, come and sit at my feet because I've spread a table for you. That's our daily experience that he's inviting us into. I set the table for you. Will you come and be with me? I've got things I want to show you. I've, even if it's peace, guys, how often do we need that? Joy? You might not hear this specific word from the Lord for the day, but I'm telling you what, when you make space, I walk differently the rest of the day. I walk with peace. I walk with this assurance that I am loved by the Lord. 
So that's his invitation to us too. Come be away with me. Come get away. Come be filled. I'm going to take us into one other story. I told Bree, it's a, it's a story, so it's a lot of verses, so I'm just going to read it to us. That way we don't have to, you don't have to be going verse to verse. I'm going to read it. This is in Luke 24, starting in verse 13. The same day, two of them were walking to the village Emmaus, about seven miles out of Jerusalem. This is the day that Jesus has risen from the tomb. And, you know, he's appeared to some of the women. These, these two, they, they have not seen Jesus. So they're walking on the road, pondering these things. It says in verse 14, they were deep in conversation going over all these things that had happened. In the middle of their talk and questions, Jesus came up and walked along with them, but they weren't able to recognize who he was. He asked, what's this you're discussing so intently as you walked along? I, this just seems so funny to me. Jesus has a sense of humor. Like, how funny is that? That like, he, he singles these guys out. He's like, like he doesn't know what they're talking about. He knows every word on our lips before that it even forms. Like, he knows what they're talking about. He's like, what y'all talking about? And they stood there long-faced like they had lost their best friend. And then one of them, his name was Cleopas, said, are you the only one in Jerusalem who hasn't heard what's happened during the last few days? He said, what's happened? <laughs> so casual. What's happened? Tell me. They said, the things that happened to Jesus the Nazarene. He was a man of God, a prophet, dynamic in work and word, blessed by both God and all the people. And then our high priests and leaders betrayed him and got him sentenced to death and crucified him. We had our hopes up that he was the one, the one about to deliver Israel. And it's now the third day since it's happened. But now some of our women have completely confused us. Early this morning, they were at the tomb and couldn't find his body. They came back with this story that they had seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of our friends went off to the tomb to check and found that it was empty, just as the women said, but they didn't see Jesus. And then Jesus said to them, so thick-headed, so slow-hearted, why can't you just simply believe all that the prophets said? Don't you see that these things had to happen, that the Messiah had to suffer and only then enter into his glory? Then he started at the beginning with the books of Moses and went on through all the prophets, pointing out everything in the scriptures that referred to him. They came to the edge of the village where they were headed, and he acted as if he was going to go on, but they pressed him, stay, have supper with us. It's nearly evening, the day is done. So he went in with them, and here's what happened. He sat down at the table with them, taking the bread. He blessed and broke and gave it to them. And at that moment, open-eyed, wide-eyed, they recognized him, and then he disappeared. I mean, don't you see him, like, winking before that happens? <laughs> like, I just see him, like, he breaks the bread and winks. Just disappears. Like, pff, mind blown. <laughs> like, at, <laughs> back and forth, they talked. Didn't we feel on fire as he conversed with us on the road? There's other versions that say, didn't our hearts burn within us as he was talking to us, as he opened the scriptures for us. They didn't waste a minute. They were up and on their way back to Jerusalem. They found the 11 and their friends gathered together, talking away. It really happened. The master's been raised up. Simon saw him. And then the two went over everything that had happened on the road and how they recognized him when he broke the bread. I love this story. Like, this is the here and now that we're living in. Jesus has been resurrected, and he's, they're pondering all these things. They're so confused. But he starts the beginning, and he shows through the scriptures, like, this was pointing to me all along. That's the thing that's incredible, is when we open the scriptures, and we have that, that heart like Samuel of, God, speak. I'm listening because the Bible can be so confusing sometimes, right? Sometimes you can open the word and it's just like, 
this seems like a whole bunch of like, I don't get it. Some of these stories, I just don't understand. Like, how is this relevant to me? How is this relevant to my life today? Like, how is this relevant to anything? It can feel so confusing. But when we ask the Lord, the Holy Spirit, to reveal to us, like, God, give me an Emmaus moment. He will open our eyes. And when you read the Old Testament through the lens of Jesus, when you have that lens on, it's incredible seeing him all throughout it and the redemption story and how necessary it is. And he opened their eyes and he opened their eyes at the table, sitting in this set-aside space. And listen, I'm sure it is so layered upon layered in that it was the bread that he broke. It was. This is his body that was broken for us. I mean, it just all came to. And he wants to open our eyes through the, tr the truth of the scriptures. This is a huge way that he speaks to us. I mean, even in even in the way that he had to show me when I was like, God, I'm not hearing you very well. And he showed me where I was off. He brought scripture to my remembrance. He brought me back to the word. Jesus is the word made flesh. And he does speak to us in other ways. But he also, he uses his own word, his love letter written for us to be able to, to read, and he'll give us the eyes to be able to, to see clearly and to read it with his heart because it can be misinterpreted and it can be, I mean, it can be read in a way that's not his heart, but if we go into our time of sitting and, and searching the scriptures with God, I don't want to miss you. Will you open my eyes and help me see you? in these pages. Will you speak to my heart? He will. It's his joy to do so. It goes back to, I made you for communion with me. When we invite him into that space, he rushes in. He rushes in. He'll illuminate the scriptures for us. It's what Paul prays over the Ephesians when he says, I pray that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened, that you would be able to grasp the knowledge, the wisdom, what is the height, the depth, the width, the breadth. I mean, like, he loves to do this. And our hearts will burn within us. I had an Emmaus experience a few years ago when Alex and I got to go on our 10-year anniversary, 10-year wedding anniversary trip. We got to go free of kids to Cancun, which was amazing. And as I was praying, getting ready to leave, I, like, I told the Lord, like, I pray that this would be like awesome for Al and I. I also want to retreat with you. So I like brought my Bible and I brought my journal and I brought like a couple other things and I made it a point in the mornings to like go and just have time with the Lord. And I would sit and I'd watch the sunrise and I'd be in the scriptures. What's funny is that as we were leaving to go on the trip, we were flying out of Nashville and just to give you all some context, like I've been a houseplant person for many years before I ever started doing my outside gardening. And what was wild to me is that we had to go into Kroger for something. As we were checking out, there's just this lone little cactus sitting on there. I'm like, oh, that's cute. Like it draws my attention anyways. But like I'm looking around like there's no other plants over here. What is this doing here? And I pick it up and it's from Pope's Plant Farm which is right down the road here and like one of my favorite nurseries. So I'm like, oh, that's random. I just thought that was just so, huh, huh. And it's one of those things where as I've walked with the Lord and I've, I've developed that rapport with the Lord and I know ways that he speaks to me, I kind of stuck that in my back pocket. Not literally, I'm not sticking cactus in my <laughs> back pocket. <laughs> I didn't take that with me. <laughs> But the, the fact that that had happened, I remember going to the car and saying to Alex, I'm like, that was interesting. I just, I'm just saying, I think the Lord has something to do with this. He's like, okay. As we were on that trip, it was wild because every time I was opening the scriptures or I'm opening my Spurgeon devotional, like it all had to do with the garden in some form or fashion. And there's all these things leaping off the page to me. And I'm just like, 
what is happening right now? And I remember one morning sitting down with Alex at breakfast and being like, I think God wants to talk to me about gardening. And he's like, what? I'm like, yeah, like I keep reading these things about the garden and here, here. Listen, it was a lot. A lot of it is what I taught last summer when I taught about cultivating our, our lives. But like, he was giving me all of this there. And the coolest thing was, is that that last morning, I opened up my Spurgeon devotional and he talked about Jesus being the jewel in the desert and how the desert becomes a garden. And the Lord brought back the picture of that little cactus of like, that's the jewel of the desert. I'm the jewel of the desert. I'm what turns those waste places into fruitful, lush gardens. And what's wild is that after I read that, Alex came up onto the rooftop and I'm sitting there just like, I'm praising the Lord of like, wow, you, we really have had a retreat together this week. And Alex comes and he looks at me and his jaw is hanging open. He's like, I have to show you something. I'm like, okay. Now a little context. We had gone earlier that year, like four or five months earlier to a worship retreat and made a couple friends there. And our friend Dale had sent Alex that morning a Marco Polo video. And he goes, hey, y'all have been on my mind all week long. And I've just been feeling the Holy Spirit saying that he's wanting to talk to you about gardening. It's like, that's for me! Like, I'm like, just freaked out. I'm like, give me your phone. I got to send him one back. But I mean, it was such a confirmation. And it's been such a sweet thing that that, like, I hadn't been gardening outside, but that was one of the things that brought me to that. I was like, God wants to teach me things about my heart, about the people of God, and about cultivating our lives. And it launched from that place. I had a Maus Road experience of the word of God just popping off the page to me and it really being sustenance. And it burned within me. He wants to do that for each of us. He, he longs to do that for each of us. And so, in light of making space, I really had felt the Lord wanting to, wanting to meet with us. And so we're going to, we did three songs at the top. We're going to do one last one. And we're going to make some space. And you know, maybe it's a turning our hearts to him of like, God, I want to hear, I want to hear from you more. I want all that you have for me. I want to hear your voice. Maybe it's repentance. Maybe it's God, this thing has been in the way and I'm choosing to tear down that wall. I don't know what that looks like for you, but I want to, I want us to just take the time and the space to be able to just clear away and just enjoy his presence. And as we since we've just launched into this next part of the book of hearing the voice of God, like, let this be, let's make this a commitment to the Lord of God, I'm posturing my heart in a place to be able to hear from you. Father, that's what we long for. We long for you. I thank you, God, that you are speaking. You're ever speaking. You sing over us. Your scriptures say that. You sing over your children. God, would you give us the ears to hear your song, to hear your voice. God, we choose to turn our hearts and our eyes toward you. We make space. We make room for the God who created us and who loves us. God, would you speak to us?
Nothing else, oh, got nothing else. 
ever on us and that you have called our names, each one of us, God, that we would hear you calling our names, hear you singing your song over us, and we would respond with obedience and worship and devotion. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. 